Hello and welcome to Bitcoin with Jake. Today I'm speaking with John Tiernan. Welcome, John. Hey, Jake. How's it going, buddy? Well, I hope I said that correct. Tiernan, is that correct? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Good stuff. So, John, um, well, thankfully you've actually listened to some of my previous episodes, which is exciting. The the way I always start is similar. So could you give us a little bit of an update as to what you spend your time doing at the moment? So your, your day job, some of the projects you're involved in on the side of that, which I already know a little bit about. But um, after we've summarized what you're up to in every day at the moment, we'll rewind and, and have a look at how we got to today. So yeah, what are you up to at the moment? Great, Jake. So uh, I'm a high school teacher in Melbourne, uh, University High School in the CBD, just outside the CBD. Um, so I'm a German teacher, German and urban horticulture are my two subjects. And uh, I, on the side, then I'm a crazy Bitcoin teacher. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I've, uh, I've always been the Bitcoin teacher at school, but this year more than any, or maybe this year and last year, I've sort of really upped my presence around the school, trying to actively orange pill and not be afraid to orange pill people <laughs> every day of my life. So um it's, it feels like a calling. I'm sure every Bitcoiner that's listening to this feels the same. Um, it's like a calling. And um, I think once the genie is out of the bottle and you start doing it, um, it's infectious. And um, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do most days. So I do a bit of, bit of teaching, but mainly mainly orange pilling. That's, that's what I see my job <laughs> these days. And um, yeah, John, and so, uh, I mean, there's, there's already a couple of tangents I'm going to go off on there, but um so so have you always been a high school teacher um and pretty much what, yeah okay and and your subject's always been german perhaps and you mentioned urban did and horticulture. German, yeah yeah did german and economics at uni um, in galway in ireland and um last year i just invented a subject called urban horticulture because i was <laughs> doing gardening on the side in school with a, with a gardening club and i just said why don't i just make this a subject so got a bit of traction and now i do gardening and German has my two wow, courses. Okay, cool. I should mention also, also that I do beekeeping at school. That's that's a new thing I introduce as well. Um, a lot of the Bitcoiners that know me would know I, I try to flog them honey for sats uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> so uh, that's another thing that that I do on the side. So that's that's fun. Awesome. Okay, uh, that's a lovely little uh, summary of where we're at today. Thank you. Um, where did it all begin, John? Um, I can hear the Irish accent, of course, and having grown up in England, I'm, I'm familiar with that. So um, talk to me a bit about what the early years were like and, and how, we, you know, how did you end up in Melbourne? Great question. Uh, well, I'm from a small town called Athlone in the Midlands of Ireland. It's about 25,000 people. I lived at about five miles outside that in a little country, country area. Um, played soccer and Gaelic football religiously every day. That was like my thing. I was really good at sports. Uh, did pretty well in school as well um, and played sports to a really high level, uh, particularly Gaelic football. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I played at the top level in Gaelic football for about seven years. Oh, wow. Um, and then, but, but of course, that's not a professional sport in Ireland. You, you kind of have your day job as well. So I was teaching and playing Gaelic football uh, at a very high level. Uh, and then just as I started to come off the top level, I kind of, I realized I dedicated most of my life to sports and being in the small town, I said, there's got to be more to life than this. So uh, I had a look and I'd been to Melbourne a few years before that on a holiday. And I said, why not just throw my hat out and see if I can start a new, a new venture there. So I landed over in Melbourne, long story short, landed a job at uni high and uh, been there for 10 years now. It's a great school. And um, yeah, 
really welcoming staff, lovely, lovely cohort of students and um yeah, getting on well here. Met my wife here, yeah, so I'm very, very settled in Melbourne now. And she's Aussie? She's a Sydney girl, yeah, she's great. Uh, her name is Alice, and we've got a son called Jack, who's 10 months old. Awesome, so, uh, congratulations. Yeah, and as Jack. you know, with, I look forward to Bitcoin, meeting them both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and with Bitcoin then, that sort of gives you the the long, the long-term preference, the, the low-time preference yeah. um, of your life. Um, I actually, I, I, I wonder, is this true for other Bitcoiners? But once you get into Bitcoin, that your sort of your your horizons totally change, and you start thinking twenty years, fifty years, a hundred years, a thousand years in advance, and you realise that, you know, what you do today will influence the the lives of your kids and your grandkids, and yeah. So it's a, it's it's lovely. It's lovely to to um, be on this journey. Yeah, time horizon alteration is like it definitely happens like in in my experience it's happened to me you're explaining it's happened to you um and it's a wonderful subject to to dig into so maybe we can do that as almost as a comparison so talk to me a bit about what gaelic football involves like i've never played it myself i've barely ever even watched it on tv is it an aggressive sport contact sport um the, the what, what are the kind of characters that are drawn into it as a game and to, to commit seven years at the highest level and not be paid, like that's, that's extraordinary commitment to something or maybe you were paid, but you know, you had to have a job on the side. Um, and, and let's compare that perhaps slightly with what you now understand as like this long-term thinking that Bitcoin's helped you adopt. Um, they're probably quite two very different types of John, frankly. Um, so yeah, so like, you know, and I've been on a similar journey in a sense. So yeah, just teach me a bit about Gaelic football. So what, what draws you into that sport? Like who are the kind of characters that you meet from it? Yeah. So, um, it's very tribal. Um, so there's 32 counties in Ireland and, uh, if you, the county you come from, then you, you a lot of your identity and, and pride gets wrapped up in that. So, and there's a lot of local rivalries and, um, I mean, much like the premier league in soccer, you know, yeah. like, um, teams and fans there's a huge rivalry between them and similarly similarly for uh, for Gaelic football but um it's different in that every player comes from the co- the county that they that they're playing for so you don't play for a different county there's no moving around you just play for the county you're from so um it means so much then when you have a bit of success at that level with you, with the with your fellow county men um much more so than i can imagine with a uh, with a uh, Premier League team where you know you can buy in a player for a million, you know, for whatever yeah. hundred million pieces. Yeah. Inflation. I was, I was going to say a million dollars, but of course you wouldn't get <laughs> you wouldn't get a Premier League player for that. That's anymore. a couple of weeks' wages. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so yeah, every yeah. um every player comes from the same uh, same area, and there's no transfer market between teams or anything. No, no. Okay. Uh, sometimes people do move into if you. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Sometimes sometimes players will move. If let's say if you're living in. Cork in the south, and you're from the other the other side of the the, the country. Mm. Most players would would drive back and play for the county they're from, but sometimes players end up transferring. But it's really really rare. Most people okay. just play for the county they're from because that's wow. where they're from and that's what yeah. they love. So um yeah, so that that's it's very tribal like that. Uh, getting football um the kind of player that go that plays it. I mean, they're quite athletic. I mean, much like the AFL lads, you see them. Yeah, they're like yeah. big, strong lads who can run forever. That's sort of the physique that you need for it. Um, 
I guess if you're equated to Bitcoin, it's like proof of work. Like there's no hiding, you know, you have to, <laughs> the best is the cream will rise to the top. So uh, yeah, so I guess that's the similarity that I see with Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and so, because obviously as a recent migrant to Melbourne, AFL has become part of my life for the first time ever and all of my friends and family have teams and I've chosen a team, uh, the Geelong Cats and my mother-in-law's team. Great, uh, great brownie points maneuver that one. But um, I've loved it. Like as a teenager, I never expected to be going to um, watch AFL regularly. It's a great family event. So it's a it's similar-ish sport to Gaelish football, right? And it is, I think yeah. there are some Irish guys that end up playing in Oz AFL, right? Um, maybe four or five in the league yeah 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 okay cool and i know the type of physique you mean it's very similar to some of the sports i played growing up um okay and so how old were you when your gaelic football career kind of started coming to an end and yeah when that was happening you know you're you've spent seven years at the top of the game that's not counting the probably five to ten years you spent absolutely obsessed with it as a 10 year old to 20 year old um what did it feel like when you kind of realized that you were kind of shedding a skin perhaps and you were yeah a different world or a different life what what was I mean, you probably never expected to have an Aussie wife living in Australia like h- how did you think about that were you like I got to get out of here or you just wanted to try something different what did it feel like yeah I think I I, I felt that my life was so um what's the word like I was just so contained in in the county that I was from but uh I knew I could have mapped my whole life out for myself if I'd stayed there, yeah. uh, it would have been very simple, very predictable. Um, and I wanted to just experience, I wanted to just experience more and have more experiences. So, um, yeah, that was, the, okay. that was a primary goal for coming over. Um, I felt a little bit, uh, yeah, I mean, you lose your identity. I'm sure. I mean, I hear many soccer players talk about that in England when they retire, that they lose a sense of who they are. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess having a, a job on the side meant that you weren't only a gay footballer. I guess that was one thing that I, you know, perhaps having, that was having, a bit of a benefit a in a sense. yeah exactly what, in, what exactly. intrigues me there though is and this I've, i'm finding in these conversations regularly you're willing to take a risk and there's a certain type of character that would have looked at that you know predictable i'll you know probably get married yeah, someone, yeah. have kids work live in the county and then my son will play for the same county yeah, 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 yeah. and and there's nothing wrong with that at all you know no. everyone can do whatever they want but other people are like, mm, not for me. And then, and then here we are having this conversation. Um, so this is something that comes up a lot. And so, okay, so you got yourself to Australia. Did you find the job prior to moving or you found it once you got here? No, found it when I got here, yeah. Okay. And did a bit of sub, substitute teaching for a while around, yeah. around, the, around the suburbs of Melbourne. And then Uni oh, High had a job you, when um, I first got it. Uh, forgive me, but were you, were you confident of finding a job when you got here? Or was it a case of like, right, I'm packing mm. my bags, mum and dad, I'm going to Australia, see you later? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And I did, like, uh, maybe for you, it's the same, Jake, like, it, it, everything, you've, everything you have today in Melbourne, you earned it yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a, I think that was one, another thing that I wanted to leave behind as well, because when you grow up in your hometown, you have all these connections that can help yep. you. Um, and I wanted to test myself, I think, or coming over and seeing how I could fare when no one is, you know, I have to just when no one's around. eke out of life yeah, myself yeah. and thrive myself. And um, so that was a challenge um, and took a couple of years, but 
yeah it's, uh, it's you were fine what a surprise yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah this is yeah. the cool thing though is, is is when you test yourself and i had a similar um i moved to singapore when i was 23 24 and um and it was a similar instinct i just wanted to leave england i wanted to go and try yeah. something different i'd never been to the country before i managed to get a job from london after losing another one and boom suddenly you were living and working in asia and you didn't know a single person before you turn up and, yeah. and it was really exciting but incredibly liberating because you suddenly realize a anyone can do this and then b you know if you put your head down and work hard you can actually achieve some of the goals you set down um, so I really resonate with that. It's a, it's an mm. exciting and, and kind of empowering part of your, your life in a sense. Um, okay, cool. So you've moved to Melbourne, you're setting up a uh, shop here. Um, so roughly how old were you when you left Ireland? Sorry, John. Left from 30. 30. Okay. So you're 30 uh, yeah. years old. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. So 30 years old and you just pack up everything and go like, yeah, it must have been a yeah. big moment. Um, yeah. okay, so you, a few years into here and, um, Bitcoin, I assume, comes along at some point. Um, oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, did you have a friend that told you about it the first time around? Or, like, how did you come across it? So, uh, I was just on YouTube one day. And uh, I don't know how Max Kaiser came into my feed, but he did. And, boy, am I glad I clicked on that link and <laughs> let him go and rant for 10 minutes about, um, about Bitcoin. And um, I'm sure many people like myself didn't get what it was at the start and probably didn't understand the significance of it. But um, Max was talking about the banking system and how it would disrupt banking. And that was something that resonated with me uh, because um, when I was 25, I moved to Guatemala, um, beside El Salvador, actually, um, moved there for three months um, to do some volunteer work. Uh, long story short, I set up like an NGO where I would import the products from the Guatemalan local women, like little handbags and stuff. They were pretty cool. It was just they had no way of actually getting them to market to sell them in a first world country. So I started importing them and selling them in, a, in Athlone, where I was, just, and then I'd ship the money back to them. But um, I, earned, I, earned I had $5,000 to send back to them just by selling their products. And I sent it to them via the banking system and $4,200 ended up in their account by the time, by the time all the leeches had, had had their little cut, $4,200 got to the other side. Wow. Um, and I was just appalled and I went in and complained to my local bank and the teller was just like shrugging her shoulders and <laughs> trying to blame X, Y, and, and sorry. So John, that was a, that was a transfer from, Ireland to Guatemala yeah. in what Bank of Ireland in our in Athlone over to whatever the local bank is in Guatemala in that village, and uh, yeah, she showed me all the intermediaries that, that uh, yeah wow. had a little cut, and yeah, I think from that day that was two thousand five, so Bitcoin didn't exist. Yeah. But when Max Kaiser went on the rant, then I had something to cling on to and say, yeah, Max, I've had this experience. I understand wow. exactly what you're talking about, and uh, that really brought me along so um okay i i walked down the street that day took out uh, as, uh a not not insignificant amount of money out of my bank account and bought some bitcoins myself wicked um so uh bang just as I, quick as that 
yeah and people say to me jesus john you were you were a visionary for doing that but um I actually think if if I'd heard if 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 maybe if I'd heard XRP being shilled on the internet that day, I might have run down the street and bought yeah. XRP. So I shouldn't be patting myself on the back too much. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just happened to stumble on Max, right? And he was ranting about the stuff that I cared about. And yeah, interesting. Stuff. And and so um, the Max Kaiser YouTube videos. So when did you stumble across that? That was late twenty thirteen. Okay. I think the price is about 200 bucks, I reckon, at the time. Wow. wow. And then it spiked up to 1200 and then it went back down to 100 again or something. Yeah. So there was there yeah. was a lot of volatility. So, yeah, um, I heard Danny talk about earning his stripes pretty early on. Yeah. I earned my stripes as well. So, um, yeah. Wow, how interesting. And, and And this kind of nicely highlights, in a sense, the 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 type of character that I'm so intrigued by in this whole Bitcoin journey is that <clears throat> how many people had, well, first of all, you had to get on the plane and go to Guatemala and go and experience life there. And you were trying to do something for these people to then even end up in a situation where you saw the problem. So that already is relatively um, uh, like risky to some people. They don't even leave their home countries. Yeah. Right. Um, but then equally to have the conviction within just one 20 minute video to turn around and actually go and do something about it. Like the, it, it takes a certain type of character. Now, again, people can think whatever they want. However, it just, it's interesting to me, the type of people that have been drawn in. So, okay. So with 2013 Max Kaiser video, bang, already interested. So the cool thing about buying some immediately is you have skin in the game. As soon as you have yeah. skin in the game, you're then inextricably linked to this thing in a way that you don't even really realize how important that fact is. Um, a lot has gone by in the last nine years. So yeah. let's, go, let's go this way. You mentioned already how your time frames or time horizons have changed as a result of Bitcoin. Perhaps you could compare how you felt in 2013 when you watched that YouTube video and how you feel now. And explain to people why your time horizons have changed. Yeah, um, I, I actually would say that um, I was a Bitcoiner back then, but I, I'm a completely different Bitcoiner now. I think in the last two to three years, Jake, having met fellow Bitcoiners, I feel a lot of us were working, were operating in silos and hadn't met each other. So, yeah. I mean, I held Bitcoin, but I didn't know many Bitcoiners. I don't think I knew any Bitcoiners in real in real life. Um, it wasn't until 2019, 2020 that I started to meet some people in real life, maxis that sort of really got it. And they have really um, fast forwarded my, you know, my love of this and my, my conviction, I think. Yeah. That's um, yeah. So the right word, yeah. maybe right. 2013 to 2018 was, there was, there was lots of ups and downs and we had the, we had the hype of 2017 and then we had the, the doldrums of 2018 and 2019. Um, and I had so many people telling me, I think all my, my, all my friends surrounding me, they just didn't get it. So um, that was the, that was the, the self-talk that I was getting. So um, it just, it was so refreshing to meet. Um, I'll give a shout out to Nathan and um, your previous guest. Uh, I met Nathan um, through Twitter actually. Uh, and just to, to meet a fellow maxi like that uh, really solidified and fortified my belief in this and uh, to stand up straight and to be proud of this, like to not to be skulking around that sort of like being in the fiat system and being this crazy Bitcoiner, like, yeah, just, just own it, 
we believe in it, we love it, and it's it's demonstrably brilliant. So um, it's everything to be proud of, and that's how I just puff my shoulders out every day, and uh, I love it. It's funny, isn't it? It's like it it it, it renews a sense of vigor and strength in people. Um, to, 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 to burrow down a little more into that, the, the concept of having longer time horizons, like, w- what do you really mean by that? Well, um, first of all, I'm, I'm seeing the Western world um, uh, devaluing the family. And I'm sort of culpable in that, in that I feel like I've, I've, um, I've left my hometown and... Um, I've sort of neglected my fam- my parents who will need to be looked after, for example, in, in they're in great health now, but they will need to be looked after in, in later life. And um, I feel like sometimes we're all about the self and about what we can enjoy and what pleasure we can, what we can extract from this world um, and not enough long-term thinking and provision for kids and provision for grandkids. Um, it's all about consuming and consumption and, um, yeah, just enjoying the now and you know you only live once and yolo as the kids in school say um that sort of thinking has permeated certainly western civilization and it's to our detriment um and i mean having read safedine's book uh, the bitcoin standard it's perfectly right ra- it's actually rational to behave like that when your money is dwindling away the thing to do is to spend it and to because it can't hold its value so um you know why not go and go and get drunk and you know just live a hedonistic life um because you'll get lots of pleasure from that and then you'll die and then it's somebody else's problem to continue on but um once you have sound money it just changes everything like it's the i guess it's um and another thing in western civilization i i heard actually um a countryman of yours douglas murray he was on joe rogan last week talking about um how religion has reduced in Western civilization, and there's then, but they haven't. There's no um, replacement for it. So um, a lot of people have, um, as he said, he had a great quote. It was a nostalgia for the absolute. And um, so they've lost this thing that they we all we all believed in, um, but we haven't replaced it with anything. So um, I actually think now, Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is coming in to not be a religion. But Bitcoin is going to be the foundation, uh, Jake, on which we'll all build our lives. So once you took religion away, we had this foundation that got torn away from us. And I've got no problem with religion being torn away. That's everyone's decision. Um, But Bitcoin just gives us all now, certainly me and you and every Bitcoiner listening, we all have this sound foundation on which to build our lives. And um, it, that does, Bitcoin doesn't tell us how to live our lives. It doesn't answer any questions like that. That's what we're all excited about. I think that's why I'm so keen to meet fellow Bitcoiners to come together and build a better world together because we have the base now. We have the foundation and um, it's up to us. It's just an incredibly exciting time, Jake, to be born. Um, I think when I, I, watch, I watch a lot of soccer and I, I'm thankful I was born in the era of Messi to enjoy Messi. And now I'm even doubly th- thankful to um, be born in the, you know, the, the start of Bitcoin because, yeah, we'll be, we'll be looked back on in a thousand yeah, years, I reckon. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Um, 
John, I'd just like to say your, your passion for this subject is just shining through and this will be released as an audio, but we are on a video call and you're smiling from ear to ear as you're telling the story. It's quite amazing. And, and I, I share that feeling. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is to try and tell these stories. Like, you know, this is a, a to some people, a fringe cryptocurrency that is a complete scam that only criminals yep. use, right? Yeah. But you're a high school teacher who was previously a, a Gaelic hockey player and you know you moved your life to Australia and you've adopted this this technology and it has made you feel better. It has made you more excited for the future. And that's so clear when you tell this story, which is what I'm enjoying about A, having it with you, but B, trying to like retell it to people. You know, yeah, and, and in some and senses it is religious, right? You know, guys, we are talking about something really important to us. You know, you need to listen to us. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess wow, religion cool. though did give us religion gave us the template as to how to live your life. Bitcoin does not offer you that, unfortunately. True. But yeah, no, there's no I, kind no, of Ten Commandments or whatever. Yeah, there's no Ten Commandments exactly. We have a not basis. your keys, not your coins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Craig Wright is not Satoshi. There's your yeah. second commandment. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a funny word. So, uh, well, two actually. So, so first of all, let's talk about this. So, YOLO, right? Your kids in school use the phrase YOLO. Have you in the past YOLO'd into anything? And then have you more recently found yourself going, I'm not going to do that because of this change in mindset? I think I think I did YOLO in um it's funny, like I I, was, I mean um, in a sense when you when you watched that Max Kaiser video, that was a YOLO. Yeah, that was that was way, a serious right? YOLO. That was a serious <laughs> YOLO. Yeah, yeah, it was a good YOLO. <laughs> that was the best YOLO I've ever done in my life. Um Oh yeah, I think I, I I think I am guilty of living living a hedonistic life at various stages in my life, um. But the more I the more time I spent on Twitter for all its for all its you know good and bad Twitter, um. I certainly uh, followed a lot of signal on Twitter, like following the right people, and I feel like um I got really good guidance on why why the hedonistic life and why. Yoloing your way through life is just not the way to go, um, it's yeah. It, I guess it's 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 pleasure versus happiness, um, and too many people get distracted with pleasure. So um, yeah, I'm sure Jake, you're the same. You you kind of we start valuing our health, we start valuing our relationships, we start valuing our money. Of course, we start looking around, just seeing problems that we start putting a micro a micro a microscope on, and um, wanting to fix them and um yeah that's probably that's the one thing that's probably come out of bitcoin and meeting bitcoiners in yeah, real really life nice and as Twitter. well i like that so of course we met in person for the first time at the bitcoin bush bash which happened here in victoria let's say roughly a month ago and for the first time in my life i was in a room full of people that were all like adopted this, this cryptocurrency and i you know grew up in england and i was suddenly in a small town in the middle of country victoria australia listening to people make presentations about you know, digital hygiene, privacy, um, you know, building Bitcoin citadels and all sorts of stuff. And you're like, whoa, what, where am I in many ways? But actually physically meeting people and often they have a, an anonymous account on Twitter. So you're kind of talking to someone that actually, know. you've been arguing with them about modern monetary theory online. <laughs> and they're suddenly like, by the way, I am so-and-so. Um, and you're like, oh, we know each other already. That's classic. Exactly. Um, 
but it helps because it is a sense of connection and community that perhaps has been lacking in our lives that we didn't realize per se um yeah so that that leads me back nicely to you use the phrase a bitcoin, a bitcoin maxi what does that mean to you bitcoin maxi is just someone who is um who understands uh, money first and foremost uh, understands the characteristics of money and um, has thought through Bitcoin enough to know that and thought through, thought through, um, I guess, a hundred year cycle of humanity and knows where this all ends and knows, or is, well, we, we don't know, but we're extremely confident that humanity will be, um, will be incentivized and will have through through um inflation and through money printing will have will be sort of in, incentivized to to move to the soundest money which exists today and that is bitcoin um so yeah i think it, it, it once you meet people like that at the bush bash i mean you don't have to have those initially we we, we both we, we're all there for the same reasons we're all maxis we all get it so it kind of just um instantly you have this bond um yeah. And a trust. I mean, we don't trust her. We try, we verify in Bitcoin, but in relationships, of course, you trust. And um, yeah, those Bitcoiners up in up in the at the Bush Bash. I mean, I, I don't know most of them, but um, someone that goes there um, instantly, you know, gets a big tick in my box, mm. and um, someone that I would want to build a future with. Yeah, and you, you kind of trust each other weirdly straight away, right? It's, yeah, it's extraordinary in a sense. Um, you, you mentioned this uh, statement at the start of that about they understand what money is. Um, and at the very start of this call, you spoke about being a Bitcoin teacher at school. Now, I was never taught what money is. Um, went through school for 18 years, went to a business school, you know, one of the top business schools in, in the UK and did an undergraduate degree uh, in business management. I was taught how to make money. I wasn't taught what money is. And uh, it intrigues me. So when you have a Bitcoin maxi who's done a whole heap of research on you know, the history of, of, of money and what happens when you've got a centralized system and they're able to inflate their way um, to infinity, um, it, it ends in you know, social strife, a lot of war, and you know, bad things happen, undoubtedly. Um, but you find yourself in a effectively very socialist system where the government has a centralized um, uh, syllabus of subjects and is paying for your time essentially to you know teach this um, this information to the the school kids of today and it's it's sold to us as a very progressive and important part of life that you know kids go to school and education should be free you know in in yes. exclamation marks but I'd love to understand what your take is on um, the current education system and whether or not they actually teach the fact like what is money. And perhaps we can, can, can conspire for a moment as to why they don't. But what, yeah, what does yeah, it feel yeah. like as a, as a Bitcoin maxi sitting in this system um, and seeing what yes. you're teaching every day? I'm really intrigued to find out what that's like. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't teach economics, but I sit beside an economics teacher uh, who is uh, Keynesian to a certain extent. You know, he's, yep, a, he's, a, he's a rational fellow, of course, but he, he, he you know, he follows the Keynesian model like like every Western um, academic seems to do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 And thinks that the way to deal with 
you know, um, recessions is to spend your way out, this sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the permeating ideas in the economics faculty at Uni High and as other, fa- I mean, every every school in Victoria and I'm sure Australia is teaching the same stuff and in Ireland it's the same. Yeah. Um, I did economics at uh, year 12. Uh, I answered the questions the way that I was supposed to answer them and I did very well. Um, but never learned what money is never learned never read carl mang have you i don't know if i've read carl manger's book and on the origins of money it's absolutely brilliant um, no, i haven't yet but it's one of those things that's on the to-do list i mean the, the rabbit it, hole is never ending right i've yeah it's actually a 50 pager jake it's it's actually oh, really? doable in a day yeah yeah so it's actually you can not you can tick that one off in a day um, uh, on the origins of money i think it's called um carl manger from 1890 or something um yeah, and I've, I, I'm, I'm a German teacher. I just wanted to give a shout out to, to the German contribution to, to humanity across the board. Like, um, yeah, if you just look back across the, across the last 500 years, the contribution of German and Austrian people to the, to the world is just phenomenal. And of course, they get, they get a lot of hat tips in um, music. Like we have, of course, Mozart and Beethoven, but they get they get um, pushed to the side in the in the economics field. So we have like Ludwig von Mises and um, Friedrich Hayek, of course, as well. Um, absolute beasts in economics, but uh, they don't they don't get the they don't get the the adulation that like they should. Um, they get pushed to the side, and John Maynard Keynes and a couple more get pushed to the top. Yeah, they're conveniently um, sidetracked. Or sideline yep. is probably a better way of saying it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine like you know you're in the staff room and your economics mates sat next to you and like you can't resist surely trying to get them to buy some Bitcoin. How does that conversation yeah. go? Oh mate, I'm trying to get every teacher in uni high <laughs> to buy Bitcoin. And stuff. I've had I've had I've had 99% of the interactions I've had about Bitcoin has been uh, a lot of me have been just like confusion and just explaining the absolute basics. Then I had a couple of te- like one or two teachers, lovely people who just they're fundamentally against Bitcoin. They think it's um, antithetical to the human spirit, yeah. and think that mining and deflationary money is really bad for humanity. That's fine. I had a discussion with them about it, and um, we d- agreed to disagree. But um, largely, I mean, I mean, it's it's so easy these days, Jake, to have a chat about um, Bitcoin because everyone, people just know. I think this is just an intuitive feeling that something isn't right in the world right now. Yeah. And we're all seeing this inflation happening. It's just this, yeah, um, the economics teacher and I were talking the other day and we just said, there's just something off in the world. And of course, I know what's off. I can't, I know it's the, it's the inflation. It's, it's all this low time or this high time preference thinking. That's what's killing us. Um, but people are, people are under start. They, they know something's up. They just don't know how to fix it. And I'm, go, I'm going to be there with the, with the arms built to, to explain to them how to fix it. And so you've you managed, um, you managed to influence them into allowing you to teach Bitcoin to some of your students. So perhaps you could uh, explain how old are the kids that you're looking after? Um, what are you teaching them in these lessons? Was it difficult to get them to allow you to even have the class? Because I imagine it's like if the centralized authorities were to find out about this kind of thing, they'll be like, ah, ah, not allowed. Or maybe there wasn't any pushback. I'm only, I'm only conspiring. What's that process? Yeah, um, I think we're too early, Jake, for people to realize the, 
the um, gravity of what we're teaching here and the impact that it's wow. actually going to have on. So I, I think they're just blissfully unaware of uh, what, <laughs> I'm te- as in like the, the power of what I'm teaching the kids about. Um, yeah. So uh, there was no pushback. The only pushback I got was, uh, sorry, not even pushback, but just um, I had to make sure that the parents were on board with this, that, that uh, no kid was coming to the class that their parents hadn't gotten approval that they could attend. So I think the, I think maybe if, if a kid had come and they thought they found out that some crazy teacher was warping their mind to yeah, not accept yeah. dollars anymore. So I uh, got, con- you know, got consent off all the parents for the kids to attend. And um, I've had, I've had lots of um, interesting, you know, interesting kids coming along. We send each other sats. Uh, and then I've sort of, I've been building a full on curriculum now. Um, I've got it maybe about, about, 20 videos ready to go um, and I'm going to get 20 I've got about most of the assessment with the corresponding video ready to go so I'm hoping that I'll be able to roll it out to other schools and um, but the problem is that I, I would love to roll this out across Australia but it's just I can only be in one place at one time um, and I try and do it at I do it at recess and lunch times so um, the capacity to roll it out across schools is tricky because I work five days a week so um I was, if if uh, if Bitcoin goes to the moon, I'll be reducing my hours at school. And I'm just going to go full time at the at the Bitcoin club. We call it Bitcoin club, awesome. um, and and uh, I'm just going to try and roll this out across across Australia. And I guess if anyone's listening and has a teacher friend or is a teacher that wants to link in, and um, we can talk about how to contact me. But um, that's a uh, yeah. I'm just so keen to roll this out, and um, yeah, I. I base my work on a book called um, Inventing Bitcoin by a fellow called Jan Pritzker. He works at Swan Bitcoin. Uh, he's awesome. I sent him an email. He got back to me and said it's fine to use his book. So um, he's even keen to zoom into one or two calls with me um, on the at Bitcoin Club. Um, so I haven't hit him up yet, but I will. And uh, So yeah, I've got a textbook to base the, the, the content on. I've got my presentations and... So we learn, I mean, we learn about all the stuff, Jake. We learn about like private keys and we learn about public keys and we learn about difficulty adjustment and we learn about um, mining and proof of work and who, what, you know, the problem, of course, we start at the very start. We learn about why humanity needs Bitcoin and how money has failed over centuries, what different monies we've had. Uh, and then that brings us up to the, the present system. And I mean, this is a wonderful, wonderful bit of work. You, you, it's impossible to know the impact you're going to have on these kids' lives. Like, well done. Like, a hunt from oh, the thanks. bottom of my heart. Like, epic work. We don't know. So, you didn't mention how old they are. So, what, 15, 16 years old? Or? Yeah, yeah. Some are, some are 13, some are 17, yeah. Okay, so teenagers. Teenagers. Um, and in 10 years' time, you know, if they're lucky to buy some at the moment, you know, who knows what the price might have done. The the life they have ahead of them as a, as a teenager is like get your grades then go to university get more grades then fight to get into the workplace to get underpaid for their time to get overtaxed by a government that is inept and yeah. is also socializing the losses of their overspending through increasing rates of inflation so a teenager today you know i'm in, i'm 33 so i'm you know only 10 15 years older than them but it's it's like you're going to be working forever you know but that's the reality of this current system forever you know yeah, if you stay in the and system, if you're lucky 
you might get a you might get some kind of retirement pension but like they also might fuck that up so don't you know don't hold your your hands waiting for that that's a pretty bleak and depressing concept right especially when the work that most of these people will end up being able to get is not work that they want to do but but that was our, that was our experience jake we had no other I mean, we had no that's that's B. true that's so true just, perhaps i'm only looking yeah. at it in hindsight now thinking that there's yeah. another option holy crap lucky lucky how lucky you. are we jake how lucky are we that we have this plan b and we understand yeah. this and and um, we know there's a way out of this and yes yeah, so this is the thing P- people know something's up people know the system is is faltering they just yeah. don't know how to get out of it and that's i feel like that's a big calling that it's very true because um, i'm just thinking yeah. back to when i finished university and i was like i'm gonna be working forever <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly how I thought it was, anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, we're at the precipice of this 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 um, step change, essentially. But one of those kids in your Bitcoin club might go on to found a, a company, like a Bitcoin only company, building on top of Bitcoin. You just don't know. So yeah, awesome, awesome work. Um, what's been um, some of the other like, or has there been any kind of organic growth out of that? Where you know. A, a child's come to you with a specific set of questions that's really tested your ability to explain Bitcoin or perhaps like what's been the most difficult thing to teach them. And, and I frame that with um, most people think we're mad, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. consensus of the, of, of the population is still Bitcoin is not worth putting any time or energy into whatsoever, let alone yeah. your life savings. Yeah. Um, so we're already contrarian in this thought process. But one of the reasons we talk about Bitcoin all day long is we're looking for someone to explain to us why it can't work. Why is it not going to work? And more and more people are realizing that they can't find anyone with an actual reason why it can't work. And so hence, we're becoming more and more bullish. Our conviction increases and more people join because we're persuading everyone. Um, In a really basic setting like the Bitcoin Club, and you're teaching younger humans about this technology, what what have been some of the harder questions that they come back with, or things that you've struggled the most to to convey to them? Well, of course, I I can't. Yeah, Uh, shitcoining. Shitcoining is the big one, Mm. and NFTs is the big one. That's the that's the shine. That's the big shiny thing right now for the kids, and and of course, like I, I have to sort of temper myself and not like you can't just go full on um laying out the law and tell them shit coins are x y and z like my job my i feel my job sometimes is like to teach people how to think rather than what to think so i don't want to just ram bitcoin down their throats and even though i probably should they'll thank me in 10 years time and but no I, i will just try and investigate why they think an NFT is a good is a good investment, or if uh, or you know why is XRP like so? So they're they're on Coinspot, and they're you know they have probably they probably have a hundred bucks in there, you know, uh, and they might be seeing these massive gains in Coin X. Whatever. Um, so that that's probably that's probably the big the big challenge that I have, you know, convincing that. Um, and of course it's just fiat gains that they're looking at. They're just looking at what the number got, like their number go up in dollar terms and trying to, trying to move them from that idea of, you know, this is not about whatever you know, amount of dollars that your, your stack is now worth. It's about something way more bigger than that. And um, yeah, just getting them to understand the fundamentals of Bitcoin. Jan Pritzker's book actually says the main, when somebody asks you why why Bitcoin and not shitcoins, Bitcoin is the one that can't change. 
and just the monetary policy cannot change. If you if you're buying Coin X on CoinSpot or Binance, whatever, um, if it's got a CEO, it can change tomorrow, and it can disappear tomorrow. Um, so that's probably my, my my that's probably the big thing that I try and convince them of that um, Bitcoin only. Yeah, and it's 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 an important discussion that obviously every Bitcoiner has to have all the time, and it's this it's difficult in some ways because you know, the, the, the DeFi or the NFT or, you know, even Ethereum, it's, it's an amazing piece of technology that's being built, but it's not a truly decentralized monetary network. Like it's not because there's still a guy that set it up that exists. I mean, it shows you how important the fact that Satoshi chose to remain anonymous actually is proving to be, you can't switch this thing off. Whereas all of these other projects, they're in my mind more akin to investing in startups. So early stage equities, which are securities, which are completely unregulated at this point in time. And who knows where that might take you. Sure, you might 10, 20, 100x the $100 you put into some random coin. Well done. That's excellent. If you hoover that into Bitcoin, that's actually an extremely rational Bitcoin maxi um, trading strategy. You know, I have a friend that does that extremely well. Um, but the point is, is that's not the future of money. And so yeah. getting stuck further into the weeds of this conversation, it's so compelling. It, you know, you're talking about economics, you're talking about history, you're talking about philosophy, you're talking about human rights, you're talking about all these subjects that seemingly are completely unconnected, but actually they're not when you're talking about Bitcoin. That's what makes it such a complex and rich conversation with basically everyone. That's why I've become obsessed with it, as we both have. <laughs> Um, okay, John, thank you. So, so there's some other projects I know you're involved in um, that I'm hoping to be a part of. So firstly, you, um, you sell honey for sats. So I'd love to hear a bit more about how you got involved in beekeeping and how that process has gone. And equally, um, I'm potentially going to be buying some beef from you Ooh, from some regenerative, some regenerative <laughs> farm cows. So, um, you know, have you always been interested in growing your own food and, and farming? And, and how did this become part of your life? uh great question um just happened to walk past a beekeeping seminar one day in um what's the name of that park down in um abbotsford convent um, okay. in melbourne Um just walked in and started to ask a few questions and a guy called barry very gen- very generously offered to teach me so he used to bring me up to his house every saturday and I'd, he, we'd suit up and he'd explained all the ins and outs of, Bit, of I said Bitcoin, of beekeeping. <laughs> and um, so I got into beekeeping that way. And yeah, eventually got my own hive uh, at school with the kids. And then I had a couple at home in, in our apartment. We had a rooftop garden at our, like my last place I lived. So we had bees on the roof. That was great. So um, just it's such a cool thing to little little present to have or, you know, to, to give away. And um, I mean, I don't make much money from it. But I just love doing it, and you know, it's 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 a fun way to trade sats, right? Just to you know, to get your blue wallet out and pick up twenty thousand sats, whatever you know. So that's um, uh, but I've incorporated that into teaching now at school. So it's part of the curriculum. We do a unit on beekeeping every year, um, and the kids love it. Um, so that's the beekeeping stuff. And then, um, friend of a friend was um was selling beef. Um, a couple of years ago, I bought some off him. And then at the end of it, I said, you know what? I'd love to actually own a cow or two. So I invested in his farm. Um, a fellow called Dan Kelton up in, up in um, Alexandra. 
uh, in the north of uh, north of the Yarra Valley, and he's got a wonderful herd up there. Um, he's got a lot of Angus cattle and a couple of Murray Greys and a couple of Holsteins, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of these things that Bitcoiners are really passionate about now is fixing the money. We're fixing that, uh, and now it's about fixing the food. I mean, there there are um meat is just getting so maligned in the media uh, and of course well you it's, it's it's become quite political now but um, i think um we become really passionate about um well i guess we we all we, once we, we found out money the money is fake we tried to see well what else is fake and a lot of us believe that the um that the current um diet dietary um, advice to humanity is um, not on the money um, so we think that you know eating beef is the most nutrient dense food that you can do um, so I'm really passionate about, about building that part of about that securing that part of my life as well um, I guess the third the third part of the of the uh, the jigsaw then would be the energy and uh, yeah that's the next thing so if 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 we start to move off if we start living off grid that'll be the next thing we need to secure um i think probably if um, i'm interested in learning about well solar energy seems to be the, the probably the easiest thing to do if you move rural um but i'll be also really keen to find out about like um these small nuclear reactors things that that could uh, potentially you know just fast forward um living at a really high high having a high quality life um in a rural location it's um, it's pretty cool, isn't it? How how suddenly this conversation of like, okay, we're going to buy this this token online, this cryptocurrency, and suddenly you're talking about these really important facets in your life, like where do you live, what do you eat, like whoa, and perhaps we've been guilty of not asking these questions effectively in the past. Um, what was it in particular? Because I, I I um. The beef side of things, I think, is particularly interesting out of what you just went through. We'll, we'll leave energy for later or another time. But <clears throat> did you um, specifically, so you, it was a friend of a friend you got introduced to. Um, do you see an opportunity to help connect people in urban environments to farmers in, uh, in rural environments and doing it in a way which is more decentralized and peer-to-peer -peer as a result of using Bitcoin? Like, What are the ramifications of that potential? Definitely, Jake. Like I, I want you, I want you and people like you to know the cow. You know where the cow lives. You know what the grass, what grass is eating, and I want you to know exactly where your food comes from. Um, you go to Coles. You are just um siphoned into thinking that those oranges and those apples and those plums and that meat is the way food should look and we're sort of um we're told what food is that's sort of we get three or four, we get coals woolies and maybe iga and we have three choices for what our food looks like and that's that's what most of us think food is we go to the shop and that's how food looks and of course oranges have to be a certain size and pears have to be a certain size and broccoli can't be too big and you know it's got to be all sculpted perfectly for us um you know, um, there's like 160 species of apple uh, in Australia. We get exposed to six or whatever, you know, whatever's on the whatever's on the shelf in Coles, and you walk in. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that's just taking taking back ownership of that is is really important. And um, so, yeah, I want people to know exactly where their food comes from. I want to provide it to them, and um, and of course, regenerative agriculture is just powerful. Um, 
if, if people want to check out a fella called Alan Savory on YouTube, he did a TED talk. It's just unreal. Just speaking about the power of um, um, desertified land, how running cattle and running livestock over it can just um, bring it back to life. So, um, yeah, we're, we're healing the soil. We're fixing the money, Jake. Um, you know, and we're <laughs> over this. What's next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, I mean, just, just to j- jive in on that, um, um, the you, you mentioned a phrase, <clears throat> uh, take back ownership. Now, the the funny thing is, is that you're taking back ownership in this particular example of your food. Um, you know, what food are you eating? Where's it come from? Uh, why is it important that you get it from a certain place? How does it look? It's okay if it doesn't look perfect like a supermarket. How does it taste? How do you cook it? What was it fed? All these questions we've been um, guilty of not asking properly for a mm. long time. We've been lured into a sense of false security where you know everything's fine. But actually, when you walk around on the street, you can physically see how sick people are because of how big they are, right? Yeah. And, and there's this epidemic of, of, of obesity right in front of our eyes. And <clears throat> why is that? Because of the food, the modern fiat food system as we'll mention safety and again in, in um the fiat standard he, he links it so brilliantly as to like the incentive structure in the food industry when there is a money printer incentivizes the production of awful quality food for people that ex- is completely and utterly unhealthy but because of the size of their lobbying groups government's actually not helping in the slightest it makes it worse and we look at the COVID-19 supposed pandemic, not once did a government suggest people get outside and exercise. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what? what yeah. Like yeah. someone who's fit and healthy is less likely to die from a disease. That's the simple truth. And you're telling people to sit inside, do nothing. I mean, it's just mind blowing. We won't go down that rabbit hole, but um, in terms of the farmer that you're interacting with, I'd love to understand um, was this a bit of a breath, breath of fresh air to them when you came along and you were like, right, I'm based in Melbourne. I'm a Bitcoiner. I want to use this decentralized money. I want to buy your beef off you so you don't have to sell it to anyone else. I reckon I can get a bunch of people in Melbourne to buy it off you. What problem are you solving for the farmer? Because as, as an entrepreneurial mindset, I'm always looking, you know, okay, solve big problems. Yeah. Solve big so, problems. People will pay you to solve that problem for you. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. That, he can't believe that the amount of demand that I've had actually once I wow. put a shout out on. Yeah. So he, like, yeah, I, I sold, I think Dan puts a shout out on Facebook to his friends on Facebook and he sells his cow that way. But, um, I mean, I had the whole cow and, and more than a cow sold within a couple of days, as you know. Um, so yeah, he was blown away by the, by the demand for this. And of course I'm only taking Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, he was really, he just couldn't believe that there was, um, people out there that this is this, this community that needs to get tapped into um, and it's not like we're not we're not selling crap here we're selling high quality stuff to high quality people and we want to make high quality people um, and yeah Jake you were talking about the sick people walking around I mean Bitcoiners have taken ownership of their money we've taken ownership of our health and we're just we're just sort of we're in control of our own our own lives. That's that's the big thing. We're just we're we're we've sort of outsourced the control of our life for too long. We kind of just we were passive. I mean, we you and I talk about the, the the food supply, not asking the right questions. We just went along to our Safeways and our Tesco's and uh, accepted it. And 
yeah, once you once the once the door is open and you can see when you start owning your own money, you start starting wanting to have even more ownership over your own life. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the, the, people listening to this are probably Bitcoiners, so they all get it. But yeah, it's a powerful thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a powerful it's an interesting thing. point because in a sense, so far the the focus of the podcast has been on people who are already Bitcoiners, and therefore you're kind of preaching to the choir that already gets it. Well, you're preaching to the already converted. And I think where, yeah. where this kind of project could get really interesting is trying to find guests that have themselves adopted Bitcoin, but they have a following or some kind of community that they're a part of that haven't. And it's trying yeah. to bridge that gap. So let's say, let's just for sake of argument, say 2% of the world is currently you know, on the Bitcoin standard. So you've got yeah. 98% of the global population that doesn't yet know enough about it to have made that decision. Yeah. So yeah. You know, you're, you're an educator potentially I'm here well, like a creator, like, you know, the, the ability to, to bridge that gap is going to be absolutely imperative, but also is hugely exciting. And how we do that, we need to work it out. Um, teaching yeah. Bitcoin in schools, great idea, create a curriculum, get, you know, there's going to be Bitcoiners in a lot of high schools in Australia, in the world for that matter, that would, if you open source your curriculum, get hold of it yeah. and do the same thing potentially. Um, it's very, very exciting. I should be I should be linking in with schools where like you know, well, I would go about the if I could just jump in John I would go instead of schools you don't want to go to the head you don't want to go through the school community you need to somehow find bitcoiners within those schools so if I was ever looking at um, trying to sell new products to companies you need a gatekeeper yeah. don't go through the marketing channels or the HR department right. or I would be I'd be trying to find somehow like, you know, you could probably even do it on Telegram. You just build a group of yeah. um, Bitcoiners that are school teachers and that's it. And yeah. that would be your, your route to market in a sense. Um, at least that's how I would think about it. You would, sorry, yeah, I cut take. you off. My apologies. What were you, what were you going to say? Uh, actually, you, you've, you, you, I just had an idea that um, when I was, when we were on the way to, to, to the Bush Bash, I contacted um, um, the local high school to see, could I get up and I said, we'd be doing a presentation on, uh, Bitcoin all weekend. Uh, would any of your students like to come along? And the principal never got back to me. So yeah, uh, yeah you're right. I take your point. <laughs> Contact in the head might be the best way to get this sort of. No, I would say not. Just as I mean, from my startup experience, when we were trying to build digital products from scratch, you were you were specifically <clears throat> looking for gatekeepers, and then you would look for decision makers. So thinking yeah, about right. like, right, who are you trying to get in there with? Okay, well, how do we get to them? Um, Love it. And it's about like looking at an organization and trying to work out how to do that. For sure, there will be Bitcoiners that work as high school and, you know, even university lecturers throughout Australia. We just haven't found them yet. Um, well, John, this seems like a wonderful point to wrap it up on. The, the, the last summary you made about just generally the, the, the purpose in your life, the, the, the vision of the future has changed as a result of this. And what I guess I'd like to really like get across is that anyone can do this. You just have to start, start reading, start listening to podcasts, start watching YouTube videos. And already, um, you know, 10 or so episodes into this project, I've spoken with entrepreneurs, I've spoken with investment bankers, I've spoken with now a high school teacher, I've spoken with lawyers, I've spoken with all these different people from different professions that are converging on the same thing. I guess what I want to get across is why are people doing this? And I hope that comes through in, in the conversations we have. Um, 
Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely awesome. I look forward to um, to eating some of your beef. So your, <laughs> your, your, your honey is called proof of work honey, which is very aptly named. Um, will you call it pre- proof of work beef as well? Or is it already branded under Dan's uh, farm? No, great question. Um, well, Dan and I, Dan's farm is called Holistic Pastoral. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll stick a little proof of work beef on the, on the side. That's just <laughs> a little hat tip to Satoshi. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, John. Thank you so much for your time and spending it with me. Thanks, Jake. That was awesome. Really enjoyed chatting to you. Pleasure.